So you use a term like balance and alignment. These, these references, perhaps, is a little bit mysterious, but <coughs> these are kind of references that you can you can consider in terms of because they actually have, you can sense them both in your body. In your emotional body, your impulse body, your heart, if you like, you know, when you're overreaching or when you're slacking back, finding the balance in terms of your your effective, responsive drive and so forth. And third aspect, your attitude or your your attention, balance the tension. Head is your attention, heart mind and the body <clears throat> where these all line up when they're actually in touch with each other when they're actually making sense to each other when they're able to resonate with each other so your your impulses aren't driving way ahead of your body you know and you're kind of breaking your body up your attitudes aren't way out of line with what your your uh, you know mental state your emotional state your capacities are there's some possibility of coming to alignment where the pressures drop, yeah, the stress drops, the push drops, the weight drops. We're looking towards the end of this pressure, weight, stress. And it's always, a, <clears throat> to my mind, it's, it's kind of not very glorious way of talking about <laughs> in practice because it doesn't seem like a positive statement, but it's very safe, you know, just letting go of the negative, letting go of the stress. You want to call it Nibbana, unconditioned, whatever. That's fine, you do what you like with it. But you can recognize also how much of language, you know, and ideas, once we start to use esoteric ideas, they can whip up these, these tremendous imbalances in our, in our emotional body, our impulse body, in the affective responsive system. Like it's out there, it's way out there. It's the other side, it's the other shore, it's over there. You know, got to get there, out there. It's where it really the breakthrough to the final blazing curtain raising crescendo of nibbana. Think, oh my God, this one's going to go potty in a week. <laughs> you know, it's way out of line, way out of balance. You know. And the mind does that, you know, you, uh, projection is a totally normal uh, quality of the, of the heart. Uh, balance is not that common, you know, really. You know, there's degrees of it, but real balance, real utter balance, that's, that's very special. You know, when you're really aligned and in touch and you're really in true. Mm. There's no pressure and no... <coughs> Because in that, all those signs of, of fantastic feeling and, you know, big surge, and they're, they're not there, you know. So, so you, that's what you, want, you don't want that stuff. You don't want the applause. You don't want the sparkling lights. You don't want the big surges of this, that, and the other. It's a cool, unbinding release, blowing out of that, all that stuff. When you bring up, bring up all these ideas, 
you know, then mind, the heart is pretty much prone to projection, which means we, we put something into the future or into another place, psychological place, other than where we are. You know, either in the future, going to get there in two weeks, a month, a year, the end of my life, whatever. Or in another psychological place. It means not in this kind of mass of feelings and emotions, but somewhere where all this isn't happening. Over there, you know. So what happens is with that, that we dump bits of our stuff, or we reject bits of our stuff, or we neglect aspects of body, heart. Hmm. You could get away from it to, to the other place where this isn't happening. Totally understandable. I want to do that too. <coughs> But, you know, what actually happens when we consider things like goals and aims and, and great states and fruitions and whether you're stream enter or whatever, what happens? You know, you always feel this kind of glaze comes over the mind. Mm. Or you want to project it on somebody else. So, when the, you know, bits of monastic parlance, you know, Who's an arahant? Is Ajahn so and so? Where's he at? And sister so and so? Where's she at? And who's really? Who cares? You know? <laughs> Where are you at? Where am I at? You know? And this sense of refining balance is that actually this is where the disturbances release. And it's not that quick. And when you consider a thing like balance, you realise how do you how do you balance anything? Well, there's a certain amount of effort pushing it this way, pushing it that way. And there's a lot of actual pausing, holding the space, letting things settle, flickering to and fro, subtle movements, subtle intentions, kind of gentleness sometimes, patience, persistence. It's, it's a, it's a it's a process that's, it's not just one thing you're hammering away at, but it's a whole quality of that. You know? This is, sometimes this is difficult because we tend to want to focus one particular point and get that right. So you can actually get certain bits, you know, get good posture or something. Great, that's very nice. But if you just that, and then you don't, your mind, you meanwhile, the, the heart is getting kind of pushy or forceful, then that's not right. Or maybe, you know, you're feeling in a kind of soft, open space, but actually the mind is, the, there's very, not much attention there. Kind of blurt, not very clear, not very, not much crisp clarity. So actually getting these three to line up, they speak to each other. So the easiest one is the body, actually, even though it's never going to be that great. But it's uh, it's a bit more uh, less slippery. Mm. Doesn't project like the heart does. Doesn't give us good results either, but it doesn't project. 
and what we can begin to what teaching does hopefully you know is just give us keep reminding us of the right kind of uh, ways of considering things you know so we can apply it to the thinking mind which is good again it's not the best bit but that's a bit where we can actually do something about you know fairly it's a, it's it's, it's, it's a sort of superficial thing, actually. And teaching is superficial. <laughs> Compared with penetration. And it's always going to be a off-the-peg number. You know? But some of the basic principles to bear in mind is uh, right view, which means there's a real sense of cause and effect karma, vipaka, cause and effect, there is a result to good deeds. It's a simple kind of statement. This applies to meditation and to awakening. Both the fact, the fact that um, we keep putting the right things in, you can get the right results, and also the way that you put them in, like baking a cake, What's the right temperature for the oven? How long do you leave it in there? Do you fry it or do you let it boil slowly? If it's not hot enough, it's not going to cook. Too hot, it burns up. <coughs> you know, the right balance, the right mixes mm-hmm. of these, you know, factors: like mindfulness, kindness, resolution, investigation these mixes so that's they, they bear results the other thing to consider with right view is is there something selfless about it it's just you know, you know you have to do put these causes in but the causes themselves are only conducive to awakening you don't create it you don't make it you don't get there you don't achieve it doesn't operate like that. You don't build up the unconditioned from conditions. But they are supportive in that these factors that we put in can clear away, can create a kind of a, a safe place, can create a crucible, can create the right climate, if you like, for a blossoming, for an unfolding to occur. So this means that the general tenor of our practice is a certain humility, devotion to it. You know, we prepare the ground and then we are, you know, grateful, awed, delighted that somehow, you know, there is a dawning and things kind of awaken. You don't, you don't do it, but it's not without doing either. So there is a, a process that we engage in, and yet some of the humility is realizing that, well, really, you, you don't you don't do this. You do what you do to stop your messy, stop doing wrong things, and uh, you know you kind of protect the area from the harmful things, harmful impulses, and there's a kind of waiting, an openness, and. You know, the finest piece of doing that we can bring around 
It's just the inclination to just attend, bear witness, attend. Just keep connecting your attention to the body and to the heart. See if they can come into line so that when you stand or when you walk or when you sit, you really are really with that. And you feel comfortable in that. You feel easeful in that. Mm. And you may not feel easeful for very long. You know, five minutes, many things go out. You've got to just soften it, adjust it. You know, another three or four minutes, you feel comfortable. When it goes out, where did it go out? Where's the comfortable bit now? Can we find a way back to that? So it's like that. You're just kind of stitching something together that tends to keep pulling apart. Mm. Tends to, the fabric keeps tearing. You know, but you keep bringing it together until it starts to gel. There's cause and effect. Come on, we park our cause and effect. This is what we do. There's also vipaka and karma, there's effect and cause. It's a cycle. So also what we bear in mind is that now what we sense ourselves as being, seeing, touching, thinking, feeling, attitudes, behaviours, this is effect. This is what's happened. This is the result. This is what we've been born in. Hmm. This is what's come to us. This is how we've been formed this particular way. It's all the formed. It's an effect. Some of it's neutral, some of it's good, and some of it is not very good. It's confused, constricted, pained, damaged, so on. There is the good effect. We're human beings. We are, we are sensible creatures. We know what, we get a sense of what balance could be. We have a sense of where the balance is really, imbalances really get strong, we know that. Mm. Provided we don't sanctify that as some kind of mystic experience or another. See, effects. And these effects are not necessarily always because of something you've done. So that kind of fatalism, but just through being born, if you really consider the first noble truth, the five aggregates affected by clinging are dukkha. When there's clinging, the affecting body, feeling, meanings, values, memories, perceptions, sankharas, psychologies, strategies, impulses, the ways we pattern our environment and our mind and consciousness, the vehicle of input of what we receive, all this clung to 
mirrored, seen as myself, seen as what I am, is dukkha, suffering, stress. This is what, there's an inheritance here. As we all know, the teachings point to not clinging, not mirroring, not making an identity out identity out of this. But we also realise this is not just the simple intellectual exercise of saying not self, not self, not self. It's you know what happens when a feeling happens. You know, if one clings, that something happens. You just find yourself bunching up around pain or pleasure, around being offended or being delighted, being praised, being blamed. Mm. Just, those reflexes just keep coming in, don't they? So you come to, but there's a place where, you, where the clinging isn't happening, where you can release that. This is when we find that it's what balance is about, alignment. And the body is very helpful for that because when you, because it doesn't proliferate, react, it doesn't proliferate. So what happens when we mentally or emotionally hold something is this tendency to make more of it, make more of it. It inflates, it projects, it becomes total, it becomes always, it becomes me, it becomes you, it becomes the world, it becomes my life, it becomes the future and the past and, you know, it's just that's what it does. It doesn't have that simplicity that the body does. The body doesn't really know about the future or the past. Just here. So it provides that. So we find when we come into the body, it's not an, not an ultimate answer to our afflictions, but it does give us a kind of mooring post where the proliferation is, is checked. There's this steady in the body, walking, standing, sitting, breathing, checking just by that act alone, not because you're re- repressing the thoughts or the feelings, but you're just, you're just relating them to the body. The body doesn't actually keep going with it. It keeps, you know, <laughs> discharges it by itself. It takes a time. You know, so you hear those feelings and moods and pushes of the heart, and then there's a place where that is not picked up and carried on. So from that swing of imbalance, we touch ground, we touch ground, we're swinging around, we touch ground, we touch ground, we touch ground, and that momentum isn't picked up and it tends to fade if you don't keep putting it giving it fresh input that's a kind of simple piece isn't it and as we practice then these are lots of these effects are felt in the heart the storehouse is opened 
And it's a way of exhausting it. It's just to be there with that and be with one's madness in a grounded way. Just let it blow out, blow through. The blowing out is Nibbana, letting it blow itself out. Well, we're not trying to blow it out. Because, you know, that act of volition, that act of trying, that is a heart effect. That's something that's happening in the heart. We try, we want to be, we don't want to be, we should be, we always have been, we never will be. Where's that? What is that experience that we know so well? What is that? Where is that? There's a stirring and a turbulence and a shaking and a pushing and a shivering and a sinking. That's a heart effect. It's proliferation. Absolutely normal. Nothing going wrong. But then there's an ending of that to be realized so you know meditation a lot of it is just this sense of exhausting these um, currents these tendencies by at least getting a map a conceptual understanding of what's going on some reassurance that yeah this is yeah right this is what happens and it's valuable to do this, to be with this. It's not not failing. Question one isn't getting the luminous bright mind states. That's but because those are kind of extras, supportive extras, sometimes very supportive, really helpful. But they are extras. Anything is that blowing out, clearing out the basis of suffering and stress. And there's an act of humility in that, in that we just place ourselves carefully, wisely, sensibly, into an alignment that can allow that to happen. And it takes as long as it takes. If one has confidence in that, still there is a sense of joy a sense of I'm doing the good work, the good things are happening, we're being real, we are eliminating, we are clearing things. Mm. It's important to have that sense. This is right, right view. piece that I would add is that the body um, there is need for development um, so it's not there's no need for development nothing to do but we need to develop the basis the container um, you know 
not that this is awakening, not that this is the end of the path or the result. This is just the developing the good container, the good vehicle. And uh, using body as a vehicle, using the goodness of the heart as a vehicle, the goodness of the, of the thinking mind as a vehicle. Though the heart is confused, it's not totally confused. Though it does proliferate and project, it doesn't it isn't all that it does. Mm. There's also the loving heart, the steady heart, the patient heart, the generous heart. Sense of just giving and opening and blessing and bestowing. And it can be a soft thing, a gentle thing, a small thing. It's just that quality of right intent, the face, a gentle kind of courage, just keeps keeping the atmosphere nourishing, pleasant, sustaining. clear mind, clear thought, which is just noting, noticing, bearing witness, questioning, simple question, how is it now? Where is that now? Just that which helps to keep connecting body, heart, and body itself, developing the body. There is development in terms of body. Development in terms of body is in terms of making the body bodily experience, the embodiment experience, something that is also full, bright, uncramped, free from stress, free from tension, free from uh, turbulence. Mm. Some of this is really quite simple. Uh, So simple that we don't think, oh, well, yeah, you know, so what? We tend to overlook it. Just like sensing the whole body, the soles of the feet, the toes, what is felt there, the legs, the calves, the shins, the ankles, the thighs, soft tissues, the belly, diaphragm, chest, arms, throat, head, so forth. Just getting the whole thing there. seeing if it feels balanced when we stand or walk or sit. And we probably, I notice as shoulders can feel slightly cramped when I come to really, most of it's okay. It's not actually in agony. So you think, yeah, fine, it's all right. It's all there. <laughs> Put my socks on so I must have two feet today. That's about it as far as I care. Yeah, because I want to live in my head.
So, you know, we think, yeah, sure, the body's all here. You can see it. But to really know it, hmm, spend time really knowing it from the inside, the feeling sense. And it's actually, it is relevant. It's not irrelevant to the mind. It's why the first foundation is mindfulness of the body. It's not only relevant, not like a lump of meat that you do your practice inside. You just kind of plonk it, plump it down, and shove food in it. It is actually, it is a, a very simple and healthy resource for relieving stress, pressure. Because the heart tones do affect the body, though in some way that we are saying, you know, the body can stand apart from that. But when it's all mixed up and clung and not, not uh, attended to, then you get these transferences of emotional, psychological states into the body. Quite normal, quite natural. We feel frightened, we tend to tense up, be defended. Uh, we feel excited, we lose a bit of contact with the ground. Uh, we get up into our heads, we get agitated, we lose our feet and hands. Mm. You feel strong emotions, it seizes up in the throat or in the chest or in the heart or in the belly. Quite, quite normal. And so some of this is, gets embedded. If it's happening a lot of the time or frequently or violently, it kind of gets left there. So you've got a body that's sort of got no, no, real, no feet to it, no hands, slightly seized up sense in the diaphragm, bit cramped in the shoulders, with a head sticking out the top of it. Which is saying, get me out of here. <laughs> Where's the good place? Where's, you know, get the samadhi or something. And, uh, you know, we're co- cocking these ideas that keep taking us out of that. So, but you consider something like free, uncramped, and you take that quite literally into how you sense your body, um, measureless. So, can we extend our awareness right down? from our normal zones right into the fingertips, the palms, the hands, the soles, the feet, the back, of the back of the body, which often gets neglected, because most sense contact is right in your face, isn't it? Front face, you know, it's what's coming at you. So the back is like your shell. Yeah. So mostly we're drawn to where the sense organs are, around the front of the body. So what happened to your back? You know? middle of it, lower back, sides of the body. And you, with your awareness you can contact these places where there's tension and just start to, to expand your awareness in a soft way to areas where there isn't tension. So you just keep like a massage working around the body extending the image of it right through the soles of the feet. Soles of the feet and palms of the hands are very helpful. Hmm. Very helpful places for just really letting go. 
Sending your mind, your energy down your arms, out through your hands, sending it down your legs, out through the soles of the feet, extending, just spreading out like you're spreading out a sheet, smoothing out the crumples and the wrinkles in it. And breathing is actually a a very helpful agent for that. Because it has this breathing is an is an involuntary action. I mean, you can adjust it, but basically it happens. So it's not something that there I am doing it. It's just going on, and the fundamental action is just to connect to that and make the breathing or see where the breathing is restricted. Can we release there? Can we extend our awareness there? Can you make the mind space, the consciousness, really? wide and big so you can breathe in a big space there's a sense of and this is where the environment is very important sometimes just sitting with your eyes open to extending your your conscious space to a place where there is no sense of restriction Sometimes when you sit, close your eyes, you feel the edge of your sense of being is the pressure, subtle pressure around the skin or the mm, pressure of sensation. And that's kind of like, that's your boundary. You have your eyes open, you can also, through the eyes, see and take in the sense of plenty of space, openness. And you bring that quality, that kind of mood into your practice. Breathing in, breathing out. It connects us to the space around us. And when everything seems kind of tight or not in alignment, one thing is to connect to the space around us physically. You come out of the cocoon. Or spiritually, psychologically, we're in a support place, we're in a place of friendship, kindness, generosity. So we come out of the crabby, kind of niggly, fussy, petty things that can tighten and cramp our mind. When you're looking to find balance, you tip it this way, you tip it that way, you do subtle movement. Movement is helpful. Something in us looks for stillness, stability, quiet, closed down. There's something good about that. There's something impatient about that. Things will come to rest when there's balance. You can't lock it. If you feel something locking in your system, tightening up. uh, That's not going to help you. Those 
impulses to close it all down. Well, you know, the Buddha did talk of nihilism and desire for extinction as being unwholesome. So this is a common trait in all of us. We need to check those attitudes. Mm. If we're not reaching out for something, then the other imbalance is closing down. Probably we swing slightly from one to the other until eventually we close down less, we reach out less. Are you feeling something? It feels more light, less driven. Feels like not getting anywhere. Feels like not achieving anything. And so there's this kind of, the way that's read can be counterproductive. We want, we rather like the thrust and the flare and the push and the surge and the closures and the, rather than this not getting anywhere. That is, um, that is an interpretation. Where is there to go? Do some walking meditation. When we do walking meditation, um, it's a chance to move gently, feel the subtle movement of the body, enjoy the movement of the body, let the shoulders loosen, let the belly loosen, come out the cocoon, the eyes lightly open. Let the eyeballs rest in the sockets like they're floating in oil. Let the tongue sit in the bottom of the mouth like it's a little puppy having a nap. Loosen up. We're not in the army. This walking meditation is a is a a slow dance, really. So it begins somewhere down in the back, somewhere down in the lower back. And you, what happens is, if you notice, you just inquire how does a body walk rather than think, oh, I've got to do so many minutes, hours, 
of walking meditation. How does the body walk anyway? You feel it kind of gently shifts weight to one leg. Feel the weight shift. One side of the body becomes light. And then there's that gentle push round from the back. Walk from the back. Don't walk from the head. Walk from the back. Let the back, back, hip, backside turn the light leg, flick the light leg forward. Open the foot. So when we wear shoes and clump around a lot, the foot gets stupid. Doesn't feel anything. Just a kind of just a kind of lump on the end of the leg. Make the foot open the foot, which means just kind of you can exercise just drawing the toes back, so you feel the sole of the foot open up. Yeah. We need to do that quite deliberately to recognise what happens if you lift your foot and really pull your toes back. The stretch, sole of the foot opens up, and foot suddenly, hey, wakes up. Hey, I'm here. You know. Normally it's not there, it's just a kind of frozen lump with a boot on it that clumps up and down. So you just kind of open the foot, the sole of the foot. So you can feel energy. The sole of the foot is then like a sensitive thing. It comes onto the ground, you sense it. You connect to the ground. And the weight comes onto that leg. And the other side of the body becomes light. The leg moves round. As your left leg moves forward, also the upper body, the right side of the upper body, tends to come back a little as a counterbalance. So you get this kind of gentle sway of the left leg goes forward, the right shoulder comes back, the right leg comes forward, the left shoulder goes back. You don't have to do it, but if you, if you loosen, you'll sense that happening. If it's not happening, there's probably some restriction in the, in the belly, the torso, the waist, or the shoulders. So just to check out whether your whole body shouldn't be moving when you walk. It's not just a leg thing. It's the whole thing moves. So you get a very nice feeling of the fluid, easeful quality of movement. Then it's comfortable and your mind will tend to rest in it because it feels rather pleasant and light. And it's no big deal, you know. It's just kind of sensible. Um, and that's really helpful to have being sensible as a kind of aim. <laughs> Which is being sensitive and being able. You know, we're able to be sensitive. Therefore we're sensible. Therefore we're balanced. And in that you can kind of feel those those pushes of you know, getting, not getting, thoughts. And you just kind of keep coming back to the sensible, the balanced, um, as an alignment. Let the other stuff blow through. Walking, 20, 30 paces. Standing. When you stand again, feel the soles, you open the soles of your feet. Let the weight come down your body. Soften the knees so everything is poised over those feet. Dropping the weight into the ground. Dropping the weight through your feet into the ground. Weight 
there's a time to walk again, turn around walking. 